Hello and welcome to The Discourse, a short-form, one-on-one interview podcast with filmmakers, actors, and other industry folks, brought to you by The Playlist and hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo. Today, I get to dig into another one of my favorite films of 2023 with its director. The film is Ferrari, and it's directed by Michael Mann, who joins the podcast today to discuss his journey to it. Uh, We talk Heat 2, we talk Marvel movies, Tokyo Vice, and more. I only had a short amount of time with Mr. Mann, so I wanted to kind of spread the love around, so forgive me if I jump all around from subject to subject. If you're sitting here wondering who Michael Mann is, he is one of the best directors of his generation. He's made films like Heat, Thief, Collateral, Ali, Last of Mohicans, Miami Vice, and more. I am a huge fan of his work, especially Heat. Can't wait for Heat 2. So this was a real treat for me. Uh, Special thanks to Michael and his team for allowing us the time with him. As far as Ferrari goes, the movie is based off the real life Enzo Ferrari, founder of Ferrari, the luxury Italian sports car manufacturer who is played by Adam Driver. The film focuses on a very specific point in Enzo's life in 1957 when bankruptcy was basically looming over his company and Enzo was experiencing kind of heightened drama in his life due to a secret becoming known by his wife. And all of this is occurring while you know, he's basically betting it all on a must-win 1,000-mile race in Italy. So it's a real dramatic point in his life. And uh, like I said, it's certainly one of my favorites of the year. Michael Mann's direction is obviously excellent. Adam Driver absolutely nails the role of Enzo. He's absolutely magnetic. Penelope Cruz plays his wife. She's outstanding as well. Uh, I was particularly blown away by not only the drama, but the racing scenes, both how they're shot and the sound they manage to get out of the engines. I can still feel the rumbling in my chest. It's a really, really well-told slice of Enzo's life. Makes me want to dig into the book on which the movie is based in recent documentaries that Michael brings up. Uh, The film released in limited theaters nationwide on Christmas Day, so you can check it out now. Before I shoot you over to the interview, I've got to tell you that The Discourse is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes The Playlist Podcast, Bingeworthy, Deep Focus, and more. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite shows. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or rating as we do very much appreciate it. Or just head on over to theplaylist.net for film, TV news, interviews, reviews, and more. Okay, here's my chat with one of the absolute greats, Mr. Michael Mann. Mr. Mann, it's an absolute honor and a pleasure to speak with you. I am a great admirer of your work, sir. Um, So Ferrari's no different here. Congratulations. Really, really enjoyed this. You, You know, I was actually standing on set not so long. Well, I guess it was kind of a long time ago when you came to Oshkosh, Wisconsin for Public Enemies, because that's where I went to college for radio TV film. So it's just a thrill to kind of actually see a big Hollywood movie, you know, film where I was going to school. Uh, I know you're kind of like a, a Chicago guy, but how did you like being in Wisconsin and all that? Filming in Wisconsin was fantastic. I went to Madison School of Madison for four years. And uh, although I'd never been up, you know, to some of the parts of Wisconsin, I never went to Oshkosh, for example. But, um, uh, you know, and then, then, we, then we, we found the Bohemian Lodge by a fluke. It was, uh, uh, I wondered if that building was still there. And we called up, we found the owner. And he said, oh, yeah, it's still there. And it's completely unchanged. And then uh, and that, in fact, Dillinger left a suitcase of clothes there. And we had that suitcase 
with Dillinger's actual clothes and it's bonded and sent to Hollywood, and, and Johnny Depp was able to try on the socks and the pants and the ties and everything that they were actually Dillinger's. So it was uh, filming, filming in Wisconsin was great. Yeah, that was a thrill to see. Um, but as far as Ferrari goes, you've been trying to get, you know, this one made for decades. I, I believe, you know, originally this was supposed to be like a follow-up to Last of the Mohicans, right? It was originally, no, we tried to set it up. Sidney Pollack and I began on the film together with Troy Kenny Martin, the writer. And we we started, um, you know, sometime in the 90s, we tried to get it going. They tried to get it going again in about 2004. And then again in 2008 and 2015, and um, I could have shot, I could have made the Ferrari earlier if I wanted to cut it, but I wanted to make it, you know, only one way, the right way, which was costly, or not make it at all. And so it, it became possible to do it for a number of reasons in the last, you know, last two years. So it's a matter of you know studios just weren't really willing to take the risk as far as like what you wanted to do. Yeah, it became uh, yeah it became possible because of the wonderful Italian tax credit and funding. Ford Ferrari came out and uh, did very very well. And prior to Ford Ferrari, no race car movie ever made money. Grand Prix, Le Mans, okay. none of them ever did. And this would be it's, this is not a race car movie. It, it's a drama with a lot of racing in it. And all all Ferrari cared about is racing. So it's obviously got racing in it. You know, but that's so it became possible. As particularly as Formula One became a lot more popular with women as well as men in in the last three four years, I know you're an executive producer on Ford versus Ferrari, and, and I also know that Christian Bale was like circling this role as well. Did that kind of have anything to do with the two films? Have anything to do with each other? Or were you a bit annoyed that he went and you know made that Ford Ferrari movie? No, no, not at all. I mean, it's a very collegial attitude. Amongst us, by with myself, with the myself, with directors to directors, directors to actors. Christian's an old friend. He called and asked me if if I if I'm if I objected to him, if I mind. I said no, not at all. Go and go and do it. Um, I was doing a different film when that film came to the point of of being made. Uh, after I worked on it and you know oversaw the script with Judge Butterworth and Joe Kaczynski was going to direct it. You know, and then his approach to it didn't work, and then 20th Century Fox got sold. I mean, these things move around that way. They don't move around when I own and control a project, but they do when somebody when somebody else does. And so, uh, no, I had a very courteous call from Jim Janopoulos, who's my close friend, who was running 20th at the time. You know, we have a way of making this movie. You know, I was in the middle of shooting Black Hat in, uh, in Hong Kong. So, you know, go for it. Now, that's the, uh, this guy's quite common. So you chose a very specific time in Enzo's life to focus on here. And it's one that's kind of really rife with drama. So it's obvious why you'd want to, you know, take a look at it. Were you ever tempted to do like the more standard, like, here's your life biopic? Or were you were you always looking at this? That kind of long linear biopic belongs on a history channel. You know, it's it's not something I I go on a history channel to see it and see documentaries, which I have. There's in fact, there's an excellent one called... uh, uh, Ferrari Road to Immortality that was done in 2017. But for me, the, the singular attraction was to dive behind the inscrutable, iconic facade of Enzo into this rich, uh, operatic, emotional life with romantic triangles and another family. His one son died a year earlier, his other son 
still legitimate. It's 12, asking himself, am I Pierre Ferrari or Pierre Lardy? And to get into that, to get into all the, the, the drama, uh, almost, almost uh, really the melodrama of what's happening behind that, which is the exact opposite of this steely facade. That was the sole reason to, to do this. I would not have been interested in a, some long linear biopic. Yeah, that makes total sense. I will say that Heat is one of my absolute all-time favorites. I'm wearing the shirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm reading Heat 2 now, actually, and, and loving that book. But I'm really curious about how you pull off multiple timelines just casting wise, you know, are you looking to recast all the roles or are you just going to kind of utilize makeup or de-aging technology? What are you thinking there? I don't, it, it's, uh, it's going to be a combination. Um, okay. And so, you know, it, it won't be Bob and Al playing Macaulay and, and Hannah. And it actually starts eight years earlier than, uh, than the movie. It starts in, in, in 1988 and then it's going to jump to, you know, uh, jump to 2000s. But I don't really know who to cast until I've actually written the screenplay. I'm in the middle of writing the screenplay right now. And Warner Brothers have been very patient. Was there ever a temptation to kind of make it that long form, like miniseries or anything like that, with, with that being so sure. hot right now? Sure, but I'm not interested yeah. in doing it as a long form. I'm, I'm only interested in doing it as a, as a, uh, as a movie, uh, the same scale as the, as the, the, as the 1995 film. Still the best heist movie of all time, if you're asking me. It's amazing. Um, Thanks. When it, yeah, when it comes to stuff like that, like you see movies that are influenced by yours, like The Town or like Red Dragon or The Dark Knight. Like a lot of people point to your movies when it comes to those things. Are you flattered when you see those movies or are you like, that asshole took my move? No, I'm, I'm not. Uh, um, let me put it this way. Uh, Chris Nolan is a friend and yes. I know what what are the characteristics of heat that influenced The Dark Knight. And it has to do with a large concept and some underpinning of a philosophical idea that you could also do in a large scale for a mass audience. And that, I think that's probably the structural thing that's, that's very similar. When we did, the, uh, when we did a, a, uh, a screening at the, at the Goldwyn, at the Samuel Goldwyn Theater, the 1200 Street Theater at the Academy, um, well, all the cast came together, you know, Nolan uh, moderated it. And um, there's other movies that have inspired me. And then if, if, if some of my film work uh, inspires other filmmakers to go further, there's a big gratification in that. You're supposed to pass it on. That's what's supposed to happen. Uh, pale imitations, I ignore. They don't bother me. I don't bother looking at them. <laughs> but uh, but other work that that um, you know that's really worthy. You know, there's a lot of gratification in that. I mean, I, I mean, for me, you know, whether it's looking at Strange Love or or uh, Murnau's Faust for the nineteen late nineteen twenties, um, you know, you you see things and you you want you, you you try to absorb them and see what he did, what the thinking was behind them, and take it further. Absolutely. We're currently sitting in kind of like the age of superheroes, a lot of people like to say. I know a lot of filmmakers of your caliber kind of look down on them, but you, you've you called some movies like Joker, you were you said it was brilliant and artistic, but presumably you'd never really want to make a superhero film. What are your thoughts on this kind of state we're in with, with superhero movies? Um, I, don't, I only make films that I feel passionate about and that, mm. and that 
will place me a little bit on the frontier uh, or more on the frontier. That's where I do my best work. And I'm not really, uh, I'd like to be a journeyman director and go from film to film to film, but I don't think I'd be very good at it. So, um, you know, I can, it kind of doesn't get my blood running. I, on the other hand, uh, I think that Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, not necessarily this last one, but the two prior, uh, have really work, and, and I love watching them. And the reason they work is because they have a really well-done story structure behind them. So it's, it's exciting in the sense of being able to expand into myth that way and to create myth. I think that's uh, it's a very exciting medium. Um, it's not necessarily something I want to do. I do want to do a science fiction project, but it's not, you know, it's not superheroes. Yeah, I would love to see a Michael Mann sci-fi film. That's, That's for right. sure. Uh, I also absolutely love Tokyo Vice, like very eagerly anticipating season two. How much involvement do you have, you know, this time around in this season? In the, you mean the continuing involvement? Yeah. Yeah, none at all. I was only interested in okay. doing the pilot and setting up and launching the series and uh, telling that wonderful story in the pilot and wor working with Ansel, who I saw last night, by the way, because he showed up at our premiere in L.A. Um, he's also there for a couple of weeks shooting during on Ferrari. So, um, you know, that was it. And I just wanted to launch the pilot. And we, because COVID intervened, we shot for six, seven days, then hiatus, and then came back about five months later to finish it. Uh, so I, I was able to live in Japan for a total of about six months, which was fantastic. And um, uh, as, as I haven't followed the, you know, I'm, this, I've disciplined yeah. myself this time around. Okay, we had to get out of the room quick there. So that is the end of my interview with Mr. Michael Mann. Again, special thanks to him and his team. Uh, the film Ferrari released in limited theaters nationwide on Christmas Day. Please go check it out now and head on over to theplaylist.net. We'll see you next time.